0: Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy practitioner specializing in chronic digestive issues, allergies, sensitivities, and autoimmune conditions. Join me for episode 24, where we discuss fitness and nutrition with Brian Carroll, nutritional therapy practitioner from Washington State. Learn about Brian's approach to helping clients eat well, move more, and become more adventurous. Stay with us until the end to hear Brian's quick tip for healthy living. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. Nutritional therapy is a holistic wellness practice that seeks to strengthen the systems of the body and address root causes of illness. As nutritional therapy practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now let's hear from Brian. Hey Brian thanks for joining me again
1: Of course thanks for having me again
0: <laughs> So Brian we want to talk more about your work with um, fitness nutrition movement um, and you know good eating can you pl- tell me more about what you do?
1: So at summit here uh, we help people to move more eat well and to be adventurous so uh, we are helping people to um, create workout or fitness programs for them. We also teach them uh, how nutrients fuel the body and provide uh, different support for different aspects of their body. And then the adventurous part that is open ended depending on um, what people want to achieve. So for some people being adventurous could be just playing with their kids. Uh, or grandkids. That could be adventure for them. For other people, they might want to spend some time in the mountains. They m- might want to go for hikes or they might w- mountain bike. So uh, it's very open-ended, but we're helping people uh, reach whatever goal that is.
0: So tell me what what is an ideal client for you? Like what kind of people do you work with?
1: So uh, a lot of times we are working with people that have spent Years or even decades focused on their career, um, typically in a corporate setting. So, a lot of times, sitting, um, you know, they're in office spaces and they've been so focused on their career instead of their health. And, uh, you know, being in Washington with a lot of tech industry, we have a lot of that here already. Um, But what happens is eventually these people are getting to a point where they recognize that. Uh, They need to, you know, get moving or be healthy or they've let themselves, quote, go a little bit over the years and they want to get back to how they used to be before they were so career driven. And a lot of times they want to be able to keep up with their family as well. So that's when they're coming to us for help to get back to that state that they used to be in.
0: Okay, I see. So when someone starts working with you at, at Summit, how you know, how do you take them through the steps? Like where do you where do you start? How do you start assessing someone and and where do the recommendations begin? Because that's kind of a lot of frontiers at once, right? <laughs> Eating, it, yeah, <laughs> moving, being more adventurous.
1: Yeah. So um what we have figured out over the years is one of the hardest things to help people change is the eating aspect right it's it's way too convenient to grab um food on the go um it's it takes time to prepare your own food so a lot of times it's easier to get food that's already pre-made so uh, when it comes to food while it makes such a huge impact on our health That's typically on the back burner when we're first getting started with people uh, because there's a lot of habits that go into play when you're trying to change food. So what we typically do is we start with the movement and exercise portion, which is a lot easier to get started with. it's a lot easier for someone to set aside five minutes out of the day to go outside and walk around the block than it is to tell someone, okay, now we're going to make every single meal of every single day of the month from scratch. And uh, here's your ingredients list. Now go. So um, we start people by uh, uh, doing a lot of body weight type movement. Um, when it comes to exercise and movement, we are looking at movement patterns instead of um, specific exercises. So what I mean by movement patterns is for every type of uh, movement in the world, there's a pattern of flow that your body goes through. So uh, for instance, if you are walking, there's a certain movement pattern that all the joints and muscles and everything in your body is going through to facilitate walking if you're throwing like a baseball there's a certain motion through the entire body with everything talking to itself for you to successfully throw that baseball and so we start by breaking down how the body should move through space and as a three dimensional space, we're not just moving uh, in one direction where everything is moving in a three dimensional plane of motion just at different timing. And so we work on that first. We're building foundations around that. That way um, we're teaching the body how it should be functioning in space. That way we start preventing injuries. Now, if I told someone, hey, we're going to just prevent injuries for life. A lot of people are like, well, you know, how do I know that's working? Like, why would I want to prevent injuries if I don't know if I'm actually going to get that injury? Well, the idea is, like, I don't have to tell them that we're preventing injuries. It's just that's what's happening as we start progressing with their programs. So if your goal is to hike, um, you know, miles and miles in a wet environment like Washington state where I'm at, then we need to get you comfortable moving in space. And then we need to start bringing in other variables that could potentially happen, which again, leads back to movement quality, such as if you step on a wet, um, uh, route and you slip, you need to be able to catch your body without injuring itself. So that's where the uh the prehab or the injury prevention actually comes in is when you're able to continue doing the activities that you love without running into roadblocks such as injuries or little weird aches and pains. So that's what our foundations of movement are um uh built around at first. Then once your body is at an optimal point where you know your body is able to flow, we're able to go through different movements and exercises and uh, they're able to keep up with it, then we can start changing other parameters. Like if we add uh, different weights, add different um, types of variables like unstable variables or anything like that, that's how we start progressing. So we're progressing people through the these very beginning stages all the way up to being adventurous and as active as they wish to be Mm. and uh, somewhere typically in that range once people are getting more used to um the movement and the habits of exercising then they'll be ready to start implementing different food uh habit changes that we can start slowly implementing so we used to do huge protocols with people and throw everything at them at once and found that that doesn't work very well um it's way too easy to say oh you know i had a bad meal at breakfast so i'll just wait until next monday to start again and then next monday something happens and oh, i'll wait till next week and i'll start again So we've been eliminating all that by working into smaller habits and focusing on small habit changes first so that, um, you know, they're more successful. They don't feel like, Oh, I failed. So now I have to restart or I failed. So I have to just scrap everything. We give them small actionable goals that they can reach. And then we have a backup plan. Like if you don't reach that, you're still getting better, right? It's like the Atomics Habits uh, approach of the 1% better every single day. We're trying to help people to improve a little tiny bit every single day so that they're successful and they're seeing that success over the long run.
0: So do you do this through a series of visits or is there an online program that people are working through or tools that they're reporting back to you on? How, How does this all sort of play out?
1: So for us, we have a range of different ways. So we don't have like a, a set online program because everybody's experience is going to be a little bit different, but this is uh, more one-on-one approaches with us uh, directly. So, um, yeah, it depends on people's goals, right? Cause everybody's goals and what they want to want to achieve is a little bit different. Um, but it is over a series, so it could be a few months, Uh, Depending on what your goals is, it could be years or, you know, uh, if your goal is just to be a little bit healthier, then, you know, we can set up plans like that as well. That aren't, um, you know, so structured like everything else.
0: Okay. So, um, what I hear is what I'm hearing from you is that it's, it's mostly one-on-one appointments. Yes. And maybe, um, like packages for people who are um have larger goals and will need to work with you for a few weeks or a few months.
1: Yep. Yep. And then uh we do do small groups of like family or uh really close friends as well.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So um and you were mentioning that in these uh <laughs> in these days of coronavirus everyone is a distance client. So so you've been able to um provide these services over, uh, video conference as well.
1: Yep. So we do do video conference and we are working on streamlining some of the beginning stages that we uh, typically go through with most people anyways, into more of an online program that people can do on their own. And then if they want to continue forward to reaching different goals that needs more specialized attention, then we'll be here for, uh, them. But we also have our community that, um, we support as well with our whole, um, client base that we work with.
0: So, you know, I'm intrigued with some of the things you were saying before about the, um, uh, movement patterns and, um, just really being very uh, focused on those to pre- be able to prevent injuries. So are you talking about, um, evaluating people's movement patterns, either in person or over video conference? Like, um, analyzing their gait and helping them with that. I mean, is is that the level that you're talking about?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good starting point. So analyzing someone's gait. um, You can learn a lot about someone's movement patterns based off of their gait, and you can change uh, the gait assessment as well. So it doesn't have to be just normal walking. You can adjust um, different widths, different stride lengths um, to uh, uh, kind of take out or add in different muscle groups in the body. So you can see, okay, if something's a little weird in this type of gait pattern, maybe we can start trying to figure out um, if there's muscle groups that are overcompensating for other ones or what's going on here. So by doing an assessment like that, yes, you can learn a lot, but you can take that same idea as gait assessment and apply it to any type of movement that you, um, you want. So it's uh, at at the Gray Institute, they call it transformation zones. So if you're taking we'll go back to uh, the baseball thrower, the person throwing a baseball, you can break down that entire movement of throwing a ball into different transformational zones where different regions of the body are going through uh, different motions that are turning on and uh, turning off different muscle groups. So by doing that, you can see what, what is sticky, uh, quote sticky in that type of movement and how can we make it more efficient and optimize that zone so that they can be the best that they can be in that movement. So you can, um, by understanding that type of stuff, those different transformational zones, and how the body should be moving in space, then you can start breaking down different variables that they might come across. That could potentially put them in uh, uh, an injury type scenario. So um, like if you're looking at some of the common sports injuries, like a hamstring injury that over 70% of the time, a hamstring injury is occurring from non-contact and it's just someone moving during their sport. Well, why does that keep happening? And it could be, um, due to, different muscles fatiguing out faster than other ones. And when they go through a certain motion, then something has to give. And that's w- when the hamstring goes. Um, It could be if you're really getting nitty gritty, you're looking at different joints and seeing if the joints are going through the full range of motions that they should have available. And if they're not, maybe that's putting more strain on the hamstring. Um, It could be, you know, if they're looking over their shoulder to see if someone's chasing them and that's putting their body into a slightly different position than what they have trained for and being slightly different than what their body is used to, it puts more pressure on that hamstring and makes it blow out. So it's that nitty gritty of movement patterns that we can really break down into if we want to try to optimize people so that they aren't getting injured because what it comes down to is we want to keep people moving, right? And if you're injured, you're not going to be moving as much as you would if you're not injured and you hear about it all the time. people you know, getting on track with getting their health under control, they're exercising, they're starting to work on their food, and then an injury happens and then everything kind of falls apart because now they're in recovery mode and they have to figure out why their shoulder has been hurting and all that type of stuff. So we're trying to get that variable out of the way so that people can continue to do the things that they really want to do in life without having injuries get in the way.
0: Okay, I see. So let's say you had a new client that came to you and said, you know, I walk for exercise and I like walking and I walk about 20, 30 minutes a day, but I really want to be a runner, right? I want to do a 5K. Um, But every time I start taking up running, I get a pain here or here. Then do you actually have them sort of record themselves running so that you can see their gait and you give them things to do that, would resolve the issues that you see
1: totally Mm. so yeah if they're recording a video then what I can do on my end is I can slow down that video and I can create different lines to see uh, different joint angles and seeing what's going on in different regions of the body Um, but if we're doing it live so say someone has a treadmill at their house and they're able to set up a video cam right behind them uh, I can, while they're running, I can talk to them and have them change different variables and uh, we can work or troubleshoot live what's going on. So if they're just running and they're like, yeah, the inside of my knee hurts, and then I change a couple variables and they're like, oh, that makes the knee pain disappear. Well, then that can give me some insight right there um, while I'm on a live call with them to figure out what might be causing that knee pain.
0: Okay, wow, that's fascinating. So, at what point do you start getting into the food issues?
1: Um, everyone's a little bit different with that. Um, so, it depends on your success with um, uh, kind of following different guidelines, which also comes back on me, right? So if I'm giving someone too much and it's really tough for them to be successful than that with that, then what I need to do is I need to back off of expectations and start smaller and breaking things down even smaller. But what I'm trying to look for with someone is if they say they're ready or if I think they're ready, or they're more likely to succeed, um, then we can start with it. But typically if someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I'm, I've am i been uh, focused on my career for two decades, I am ready to start moving and I really want to get my food under control and uh, I want to do like a five day backpacking trip and I want to do all this stuff, then that's when I typically, from my own experience, back them off a little bit and say, okay, so you have this goal in mind that you want to do your five day backpacking trip. Let's start with the movement stuff, because that's what's going to actually get them physically there on their backpacking trip. And then while we're going through this program, then we can start sprinkling in some different food and dietary changes if they are ready for that. But typically people have this idea in their mind that Uh, they want to make changes to everything, which some people can do and be very successful with. But for the majority of us, we need to break things down into more smaller, actionable steps if we want to actually stick with something.
0: Okay. So do you, um, do you use the typical nutritional therapy tools like the food and mood journal and the NAC and the functional evaluation, um, and the health history or, you know, how, how do you work with, uh, with diet?
1: so I do use some of that. Um, I've been trying to streamline more stuff, uh, by using like chronometer. Um, I really like chronometer cause you're getting a pretty detailed, uh, uh breakdown of, uh, macro and micronutrients. And you're also, um, able to communicate with people through the app and, um, uh people can leave notes on how they're feeling and all that type of stuff as well and it's also got a lot of different metrics that you can pull into there and uh, really nice charts so um what i've been trying to do is make things as simple as possible cuz when it comes down to writing um a lot of people that i've worked with uh it just got to be um almost like too much work. So the idea of having to print something off and then carry it around with them wherever they go and then write down on a food and mood journal and then try to remember, Oh, what was my, what, how was I feeling around that time? Um, from the people that I was working with, it just wasn't working out, but something like chronometer because it's always in their pocket cause they all always have their phone with them. Um, it makes it very easy to use. Now the health history forms and whatnot, I, definitely use that because I want to know what I'm getting into um, and I also want to have some measurements that we can go back on and see what has changed over the time that we're working together
0: so chronometer I'm taking uh, it, as a is an app you have on your phone that you can record y- what you eat and drink supplements you're taking and so forth
1: yep okay yep so it's an app um, they have the free version uh, which anyone can use. And then for uh, professionals, they have a pro version as well. So you can um, have people or your clients, as they're tracking their stuff, you can actually see it from your end. Um, and then you can make adjustments on the go that way too. Okay.
0: And do you use NutriQ?
1: I do not. I used to <laughs> years ago. Well, um, I used to take the knack and then I would make my own graphs. I never used the online software and then I've kind of streamlined a lot of that stuff with my own, um, form builders and whatnot on my website. So then, um, I have all that. I have a special client dashboard on my website that has all those types of forms. Um, and then I have it all broken out that if I want to see uh, certain portions of the neck, and not have someone fill out the entire thing, then I can tell someone go on to the forms and fill out the, um, section, uh, like small and test side, and then they can fill that out so that I can see it.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you use the, the knack in your own way, the nutritional yep. assessment questionnaire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I find that one very valuable to use. Um, so maybe you can just talk about an example client or a case study. And what you were able to achieve with that person
1: yeah so a few years ago I had uh, one of my clients is an executive with um, one of the large tech companies that's around here and they went on sabbatical for a couple months where they wanted to start focusing again on their health kind of like what I was talking about, they focused for decades on their career and I got to the point where they're like, okay, I, th- I need to change something and I'm taking a couple months off of work and this is going to be my moment. So for them, they wanted to just start to move better. They're very goal oriented, but they're also very, um, they understand that they can't put so many goals on themselves that they won't be able to achieve it all. So they're very more likely to, Uh, do smaller goals that they can actually reach. Um, And so we started off with different steps, movement and fitness to get them to uh, the different goals that they wanted to achieve. And as that started to progress, then their goals started to change that. Well, now that I'm, you know, pretty successful with exercise, I want to start taking this outdoors a little bit. And I used to take my kids on backpacking trips when they were young. And so I would love to just get hiking and um, possibly backpacking again. So uh, we continued to work forward and got them to the point where um, they could climb a lot of elevation without too much difficulty. Um, And then we started to get him, to uh, backpack again. And then that goal that he had kept progressing to the point where he wanted to climb the tallest mountain that we have here in Washington called Mount Rainier, uh, which is a a volcano that is used for um, a lot of mountaineering expeditions. So a lot of people do, uh, they use Mount Rainier as training grounds for Mount Everest. Because you get the full mountaineering experience because of all the glaciers and conditions and everything um, on that mountain. So that has been his goal that he's been um, aiming to get to now is to get to the top of Mount Rainier um, because he's lived here forever and he wants to be able to see what the state looks like from the tallest mountain. So that is what he's currently um, working towards. And with that, we're also focusing a lot more on nutrition, um, especially for recovery and uh, uh, muscle th- synthesis so that we can make sure that he is dialed in as much as possible because Mount Rainier is no joke. It's, it's a very dangerous mountain. So um, he has to be primed up as much as he possibly can before we go to um, climate, so that we take out any type of... Uh, variables where he's not fit enough, he's not getting enough fuel, um, and hopefully we can stay on top of uh, any nutrients that are needed to reduce um, altitude exposure and whatnot as well.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. So how long did you work with, have you been working with that client?
1: We have been working together for a couple years and we were supposed to go climb uh, Mount Rainier basically next month, but that most likely will not be happening because of coronavirus. So he's kind of bummed out about that right now. It
0: must be hard for people who have achieved a certain level of fitness to keep that up, you know, at, in these times of shelter in place.
1: Yeah. And uh, and also with... Uh, you know mountains like that. Every single season is a little bit different. So um, we were going to go for it last season as well, but the snowpack wasn't quite there like it normally would, and um, the the glaciers were opening up quite a bit um, more than normal, which is above the skill level that he is at. So it'd be really difficult and actually pretty dangerous to bring him up there. Mm -hmm. So this year we had really good snowpack and conditions have been really good and it probably would have been a good year, but it is what it is. You can't predict everything.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, thank you for that story. Um, Do you have a quick tip for people who have similar interests or similar goals?
1: Uh, The biggest thing is is to start with small goals that are achievable. Um, So if you want to start moving more then set on your calendar, five minutes a day to uh, get outside and walk the block and start really small. That way your success can build upon itself and you don't get discouraged. If you try to set goals that are way too out of sight, and you don't reach it, then it's you're more likely to be discouraged from continuing. But if you set goals that you can be successful with, but that are still challenging you a little bit, then you're going to be more likely to continue forward and stay on track.
0: All right. Thank you. Um, so please remind us again, how we can reach you if we want to learn more and, um, and uh, book a session with you.
1: So people can learn more about me at summitforwellness.com. And also I have the Summit for Wellness podcast, which can be found on any podcast player.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much, Brian. I've really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about what you do.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that your audience gets a lot of uh, great information out of this episode.
0: Oh, I'm sure they will. Thanks, Brian. All right, stopping the recording.